0: Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Christina Calloway. Greg, that was a heck of a show talking about marketing.
1: It's a big part of the lighting industry, so great topic, and I'm glad we did it.
0: Sauce it up, baby. You know how you and I were always talking about saucing it up. And you know what? Just to sauce it up a little more, we got Christina Calloway in the intro. What's up, Christina?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
0: Just tell the peeps out there a little bit about your company, where they can find you.
2: Sure. it's My company Spark Media, and the website you can find me at is sparkmedia-ltg-for-lighting.com, And my email is Callaway at sparkmedialtg.com. I
0: don't know if you should have put your email out there because there's some crazy listeners to this show. You might get hot blasted with a whole bunch of emails. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, Greg... We got to go light made easy, man. K E Y S T O N E T E C H dot com, baby. Keystone dot com.
1: Marketing and lighting. I don't know if anyone, well, there are not many people that do it better than Keystone. They have a great marketing piece. They have the right spec sheets, as we're going to talk about today in the show. They have great product, too. You think of them for a lot of LED um, retrofits and things, but they also have fixtures now, especially exterior. They're coming in hot with floodlights, wall packs, and they're going to have area lights, too coming soon and they're not like everybody else's as we talk about today's differentiating yourself they have color selectable features on a lot of these products but you don't see an exterior fixtures much so check got- those things out
0: oh baby you got to go to keystone tech.com come on man it's light made easy greg the retrofit kings you know I, you know we've had other sponsors on the show we've, we have lots of great sponsors everybody and great nailed vendor members but Keystone is so innovative, man. They're always coming out with new products, always listening to their distributors. And as we talked about on the show with Christina, listening to your customers is very important. Of course, Keystone members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors where all the conversations happen, all the hot juice. Come on down. We're going to we're going to get something going soon as soon as this uh virus thing moves for, hey, we're we not going to go down that rabbit hole, but for right now, Christina <laughs> Calloway, she's here now. She's going to come out to you hot in a second on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Christina Calloway.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Say hi to Greg, Eric. Hi, Greg. Hi, Christina. Thanks for being on.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: I love somebody that's excited about Pulse Metal Mental Allied.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing that stuck it out when I read the bio. It was the greatest thing too. ever. Yeah,
0: sure
1: it <laughs> was.
2: That was exciting technology back in the day.
0: I, you know what? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a, I don't dislike it. Um, I think there there are better alternatives today. But tell us a little bit about how your past, you know, the HID. What, what, what was it about? hid back in in the late 90s early 2000s that was so hot
2: well pulse Start technology was really the first uh new technology that spoke to an energy reducing light source and at the time led was known but it was only in the form of flashlights and in very early technology it wasn't wasn't adopted widely and hid uh, Actually, Venture Lighting was, I believe, the one of the first, if not the first, to develop a, uh, a high-intensity discharge energy-reducing alternative to traditional HID lamps, and in particular high-pulse, or I'm sorry, high-pressure sodium lights. Um, you could really cut the energy, get a better quality of light at the time, and that was really kind of the the first discussion.
0: Pulse start as opposed to probe start, right? That's what we're talking about?
2: Right. Right. It, it allowed for the lamp to uh, strike and become bright it, in a quicker time frame than that sort of waiting after you flip the switch. Uh, you had to wait for it to warm up. So pulse start was also a quicker strike to get the arc tube to glow quicker. You wouldn't have the delay.
0: You know, it's interesting how how different lighting technology is now, like striking stuff like that, you know, capacitors, like striking and startup and and deionization to take the lamp back so it can be restarted. You know, people that come into lighting past 2010 have no idea about that, Greg.
1: No. No. Not the Paul Start Metal Halide. <laughs> They've heard Metal Halide, but Paul Start. That's what's fun about Probe it. Probe Start, Paul you can, Start. You can run super, into some weird ones out there.
0: Super Metal Halide, yeah. Super. <laughs> that's Super Metal Halide, MS. <laughs> the uh, open rated, so there's no, um, so you don't have to worry about, um, what do they call it, non-passive failure. That was a big innovation.
2: Right. Yeah, so they had a shroud inside the lamp that would take the impact should that arc tube explode. And that really changed the game as well, because now you could uh, install uh, a replacement to high-pressure sodium in big high bay, big big warehouses, and have a brighter light, which really made working in that environment much better. You could see better. The contrasts were better. You were saving energy. And oh, by the way, it's a safer alternative than having a bulb crash and burn on over your head while you're trying to do your work. But um, Obviously, since then, we've come a long way. And with that, you know, all the other components were all the other components that were necessary to even get the lamp to light. I mean, you you did you had capacitors, you had starters, you had the ballast and, you know, it was just a lot of equipment to just get light. And boy, have we come far from that.
1: So why aren't you selling Paul Start Metal Halides now?
2: Well, I'm happy to say I'm not selling lighting anymore at... And uh, (laughs) I mean, I think we've all seen what's happened to the industry as far as the uh, commoditization of lighting, Um, you know, a flat panel, a tube, uh, a can light, it's all pretty well leveled in the playing field now. And of course, margins aren't the way they used to be uh, when initially when LED was first adopted, it was much more expensive than it is today. And, you know, everybody uh, in the chain, down the chain from manufacturer to distributor making their money trying to get this new technology adopted widely uh, in the field and now what we've seen is sort of a leveling out of efficiencies and pricing and unfortunately margins for everyone in that chain have have largely shrunk and uh, there's a lot of competition so i found my myself uh, utilizing my network utilizing my connections and uh, the people that i have Grown close to you in the lighting industry over the years to provide a different type of value um, that is outside of schlepping flat panels?
0: So, there, I got two things to say right here, just for the entire industry. Okay. Number one, I hate flat panels. There, I said it. Personally, I think it's the worst thing the lighting industry has ever done. Um, so, it's <laughs> my statement. The but, worst the worst (laughs) they'll go well maybe low watt t8 tubes would have been worse but most people won't be able to relate to that we have the 30 watt we have the 28 watt we got a 27 watt you know that was worse um more ridiculous but uh i hate flat panels whether they're round or square i sell tons of them i have no idea why anyone would ever buy a flat panel But, hey, I'm in the lighting game, so i got to sell them ship, 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 ship. But uh, I hate flat panels. So there you go. The second thing, though, is you're in the marketing business of lighting. Okay? Correct. Like, why does lighting – lighting is so sexy with the way they talk about things. Like, you know, um, full spectrum – you know, uh, you know, <laughs> non-passive failure. That's an explosion. No, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about with this explosion thing. That's a non-passive failure event. No, the light bulb exploded. No, it didn't. <laughs> That's not what happened. Why is lighting so good with labeling and naming and why? Because you have to go back pre-LED to get into it because it's a long history of smoke mirrors and sauce and sizzle. Why are we so good at this, Christina?
2: Well, we've had to be in order to survive. I mean, (laughs) frankly, lighting is is one of the last things that someone thinks about so long as it turns on when you flip the switch, right? So the Mm -hmm. the whole idea of marketing and lighting is to make people believe that they need the next greatest thing. And the next greatest thing might be the fact that my downlight is CCT selectable or that I get an alert on my phone when someone turns on a light in my house and I'm not there. You know, it's it's always on to the next thing. And quite frankly, as we just mentioned, you know, flat panels are flat panels. Everybody kind of sells them because they're a necessary evil. But what is the technology that they're now incorporating into those flat panels? And and basically, it's controls. So I've had many conversations with a lot of the lighting controls companies in our industry, and they're they're quite honest about why they work with lighting companies instead of just going straight to the end user to have their control systems uh, installed in these facilities and that's because lighting has now become a conduit for a much higher technology and that is these these sophisticated control systems that are capable of monitoring not only the people in its space but how they move in that space when Christina, they're in that space
0: don't be talking about the metric matrix we don't want to enter the matrix here.
2: <laughs> oh, we're already there, man.
0: <laughs> like you're talking about the matrix. Like, you know, it's interesting because, you know, blue pill, red pill, uh, this kind of thing. There's an interesting angle, like the Li-Fi. So light as a the as a conduit for information. That's so interesting, actually. Yes. And that the fact that yes. darkness, will... the darkness is light. That's another interesting thing. Okay, and that the human eye can only see certain spectrums, but the information can be passed at any time, and is not limited by what the human eye can see. This is super interesting, Greg Eric. It is. I'm it halfway. Is really I'm halfway idea. through Lieberman's book, bro. That guy's going <laughs> deep. Uh, um, I don't know if you know Doctor uh, Jacob Israel Lieberman. We interviewed him yesterday, and I'm reading his book, and I went wild on it last night because it's super interesting. Just how light works and and this sort of thing. And then connecting it to the matrix is what we call it on this show. It's like, oh, information from light, eh? That's the matrix. You're actually going to be walking through the internet at some point. Um, If you think about it in that sense, the internet will be the light around you. When you're talking about marketing this, how do you put the sauce and the sizzle on that? Why would people want this?
2: Well, I think, uh, by and large, LED... is already widely adopted. People are not afraid of the technology anymore like they were maybe eight or 10 years ago. I mean, you walk into any ACE department store, Home Depot, Lowe's, I mean, that's that's what's on the shelf, right? You you rarely get the opportunity to buy an incandescent or even a compact fluorescent bulb at a store without seeing a much display of LED. So the idea that I have to sell the technology is is, way low on the poll. more so it becomes what other value added services or how easy is it to do business with your company? Uh, the service levels that really set the company apart and why you would want to purchase their particular widget over somebody Mm -hmm. else's exact widget. And that's really what it's become because all of the lighting companies now have a flat panel. All of the lighting companies have a high bay and, they're all virtually the same. If they're not buying from the same factory, uh, they're creating them in the same image,
1: Great. and they have
2: to do that. <laughs> That's right. We Cranking gotta them sauce out. it up. They just crank them out.
0: <laughs> yeah. We gotta sauce so you it gotta, up.
2: You gotta sell yourself, right? You gotta sell your company and what other what other values and services can you provide that go well beyond you know the, com- the commodity uh, flat panel and can and such.
1: What are the particular oh, services so that you right guys now. offer?
2: Well, I personally don't offer them. I just, I'm a, i am a i I help other companies write the content that makes their spec sheets, their cell sheets, their case studies speak the language of the industry, which is very, very important now that we're seeing more and more imported products coming overseas from overseas and spec sheets that follow that really aren't written in the way that, the U.S. market is used to reading. Oh, baby!
0: Okay. I got to interrupt you for a second, okay? Okay. And I'm just gonna. Can I disclose it, Greg?
1: Yeah, you sure can.
0: Okay. So before the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast was launched, and I don't know when it was, somewhere four, three or four years ago, Greg and I launched something called North American Lighting Advisors.
1: <laughs> NALA. <laughs>
0: it, it, it crashed and burned but yeah. what it, <laughs> but what it was is we we went to china and a couple times and we tried to talk um chinese led manufacturers into letting us write their marketing material for them because we were getting really sick of getting uh, instead of saying frosted milky <laughs> nobody wants a milky tube buddy
2: <laughs> no
0: <laughs> milky no without milky <laughs> Right, so yeah. we were we were gonna, we were gonna go and, and advise for them, and nobody took us up to their huge loss. Actually, um, absolutely, they would,
2: it, they would not have. not gotten better, that's for sure. Uh,
0: it has actually. It, it was ridiculous <laughs> yes, back. So the, it was it, no, like, <laughs> like, like you can't sell in centimeters in the U.S., buddy. This got news for no. you. No. Right. Like, okay, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna save you a million dollars and tell you that nobody knows centimeters south of the 49th parallel and in Canada most people don't know centimeters either so take that stuff take that stuff to Europe um so but you know this idea of uh of um, translating the message not from Chinese into English but just from you know you know taking it from one position to the other um but what is the message
2: I think it's vitally important to convey that whatever product from wherever you're sourcing it from or manufacturing it, the message has to be that it's a reliable source of light. I mean, at the end of the day, people are paying money for this and in large projects at that. So there's names that are written on these projects that carry a particular weight, Um, whether they're the, the large ESCOs, whether it's a large national account, a large distributor, you know, there's a lot of hands that touch that product before it's installed. And so it's vitally important that the customer has a level of confidence that their investment is protected. Who is the customer? Becomes, well, everybody actually. No, who? It? So um, No, no,
0: no, 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 no. There's different kinds of customers. There's certainly. Greg and I. We're one type of customer. We're lighting distributors. There's contractors. And there's end users. Right. Who's, which customer are you talking about?
2: Well, I think it's whomever is purchasing and installing The product. So the person that's basically on the hook. So that would be either the ESCO or the distributor, ultimately, because if there's a failure, it's them that has to bear the burden, not only of getting the the new product replaced, getting it installed, but then saving face with the end user customer that, you know, you're there to take care of the issue should there be one in the future.
1: So you're working on uh, manufacturer's cut sheets and maybe their catalogs and things. Are are you doing a lot with websites? Are you doing social media? What else are you doing on the marketing side?
2: Yes. Yes. Thank you. I am doing social media. Uh, as far as website design, I'm not a graphics person. I'm not a website SEO op- optimization type uh, service. I can't provide that, but I do have partnerships that I've aligned myself with so that I can recommend a resource should one of my, customers require that. And quite frankly, that's been uh, an equal side of my business, to be honest, because what I found is uh, a lot of the new and I'll call them more of a tier two type supplier, whether it's an importer, uh, an assembler, or even a distributor that doesn't have the resources to pay a $75,000 salary for a full time marketing person. And so oftentimes, uh for their website you know they they hire someone a third party outside the industry and while their website looks really nice it's written in, in strange language or it's not in keeping with what the industry expects when they go to try to find a spec sheet if you have to search too long to try to find the information then you're a click away from losing that that opportunity with another manufacturer so um i think that the website is is vital important to spec- specifically the language that's used on the website, but then also that translates down the line to the spec sheets and the cell sheets that they use. So, um, yeah, so I have a couple guys that I work with that do that uh, very well, and that's been great. Um, for me, though, as far as the online presence, which is a necessary evil, LinkedIn is kind of, you know, uh, our industry's way of really, at a glance, getting to know what's going on.
0: Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is where, like, people from foreign countries harass me <laughs> that's a,
2: yeah that's
0: that's <laughs> well, it you
2: have you have ways to set the you know set your settings to kind of minimize that but it is for sure every day i get maybe five or six uh you know requests to connect or messages direct about mr christina calloway we'd like for you <laughs> to buy our light <laughs> so, uh, you can imagine how how successful these guys are when they take that approach but um, aside from that, too, you know, it's brand awareness. If, if you're out there and nobody knows about it, uh, the odds that you're growing your business or growing your brand are pretty slim. So it's a necessary evil, but it's also a time suck, right? Online anything is a time suck. And so do you want your salespeople on LinkedIn pushing the fact that they just sold, you know, 60,000 flat panels to a school district or, you know, that's gee whiz and that's great. But they need to be outselling, and the management is really far too busy to be sitting in front of their computer, you know, wondering what kind of posts they should uh, put out there. Uh, But yet, you have to do that because you have to show your colleagues, your customers, other people in the industry that you're relevant, that you're evolving, that you have something new to say, something new that you've done.
0: I'm not so sure that's true. I think, I I think like sometimes social media posts are kind of giving out information that shouldn't really be given out. You know, it, well, it's I'll not give
2: you... that you can't already find on their website.
0: No, but I'll give you an example. So we had a, a guest on the show and he's from a foreign country in Europe. Okay. Came on the show and all of a sudden get a grip on lighting, hit the, the charts of two countries in Europe, like, like, Boom! So like thousands of people in those countries listened to the show because he went on it, and he emailed me. I sent him this and said, "Hey, hey, look, look what happened! A lot of people that care about lighting in in your area of the world, you know, caught our podcast. And here, here's the stats." And he said, "Can you do me a favor?" I said, so "What's that?" He said, "Can you post that on LinkedIn for me, and just at me or whatever?" And I said, "Oh." yeah sure, why. So I wrote him back like, "Why don't you do it?" and he, he said, "You know, it's kind of like not cool to do that where I'm from, right? And there's something about the braggingness of social media that the, that there there's something to it that is hubristic and annoying. And it's, an, it's it's more allowed in America and less allowed in Canada, but becoming more popular in where I'm from in Canada. Canada used to be like the European country where this guy's from, where he didn't brag about stuff, right? And and But he he wouldn't even repost it. He just wanted me to post it at him. So I did it, of course. I had Scotty do it, and Scotty, boom, get a grip studios, put it up, and you're amazing. But... I feel like there's a phoniness in that. How do we overcome that as an industry, Christina?
2: Well, I think you have to be careful about what it is that you're posting. Um, there is a braggadocious aspect to it if that's where you're coming from in your post. But there's a lot of education in our industry. There's a lot of sharing of ideas, even amongst competitors. Uh, for instance, at Naumco, uh, you know, yes there there are competitors that also belong uh, but we share ideas about the industry we share our struggles our challenges and maybe solutions and let's let's not forget no one company has a solution for everything so oftentimes there's a collaboration that happens you know if there's a gap um and how else are you going to know what's available to you if you don't go out onto these platforms and learn about what's new what's fresh with your colleagues, with your customers, and there's, you know.
0: That's why they listen to to the Get a Grip on Lightning podcast. (laughs) That's why they listen to the Get a Grip on Lightning podcast.
2: (laughs) I've been meaning to talk to you about that because I see you have less than 400 followers on LinkedIn. I can really (laughs) get you exposed to over 6,500 of my followers in the industry.
0: Oh, yeah, we want that. That's for sure.
2: I know you would. All of a sudden, right, we'll your
0: tune changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you know what's interesting about us is that we don't get a lot of likes, and we don't get a lot of um com. We get comments, but uh, we sure as hell get a lot of downloads. Greg Eric, that's what's weird.
1: We do. Yeah, we're up in twelve hundred some a day we listens, and so it's moving. That's
0: great. yeah, and it's growing. So it's it's we yeah. It's it's like I uh, I don't know what the heck happened. Like why you'll see people. You'll look at the downloads on a certain site and you'll see very low downloads and lots of comments and oh is that their friends or you know what's going on so how does how is it that you know the results when you're doing social media what's the difference between like getting your friends to like something and then having legit a legit presence
2: well there's analytics that are available right so um linkedin being a professional site most people join either to advance their network to get more people in their network so that whether they want to reach out to them to do business or they want to use them as a resource for something um you really have to want to grow whether that be get your brand out get your message out and in doing so like any platform there there's elevated uh membership that you can purchase and with that comes the ability to obtain those analytics, which for some are very valuable. Not only does it tell you who may have looked at or liked your post, it also will give you companies, their titles uh, within that company, their geographical area. I mean, there's a lot that you can really glean from that taking an ad out in a publication, for instance, doesn't really provide you.
0: Well, I, I wouldn't say that has, That goes for everything but the today's lighting distributor that Neil puts out. Today's letting distributor print ad is fantastic. It really is. <laughs> you know, but I understand I understand the temptation towards metrics, right? Metrics are important. Um, right. And in the online world, you can get information about how many times your post was viewed, for example. Um, but the marketing art is a black magic art. What's your secret, Christina, outside of the metrics and all that? How do you sauce it up?
2: I'm not going to give that away for free. <laughs> <laughs> Dang
1: it. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, what made you start this business? Or was it, was there one factor that just said, I got to do this now and it's because of this or are you just gradual?
2: COVID. So really, COVID oh. uh, sent me through a spiral of soul searching. <laughs> so I've been in the industry for a really long time, as you guys know, and, and I do have Uh, quite a few customers that have followed me throughout my career. And when this all hit in February, March, um, you know, I had spent the majority of my career traveling from L.A. to Boston, you know, I mean, Minnesota to Florida every week. And that all stopped. And quite frankly, not only myself, but many of my colleagues found ourselves without a job or for the foreseeable future, the job as we knew it. And so I started to think about, you know, what value I could still provide my customers, still utilize the knowledge that I have over 20 years in the industry. I, I can't walk away from that in some respect. And I talked to a couple of my friends in the industry and one, one friend in particular, she's like, you know, why don't you just do that? Why don't you do this? You can utilize your knowledge and, uh, and still work with your clientele and still remain in the industry. And I started thinking about that. And the more I thought about it, it was like, yeah, light bulb went off and I just started digging in. And as soon as I did, I must have hit a nerve because uh, immediately I got requests for engagement. In fact, I've got almost more business than I can handle myself at this point. And I guess it might have been timing. It might have been a a need that had just never been addressed in our industry. It might have been the fact that a lot of Unfortunately, sales and marketing people have been furloughed during this pandemic. Um, But frankly, there's a lot of tier two companies in our industry that uh, either don't have a full-time marketing person or they do, but they don't have the language, right? They didn't come from the industry. So what I'm hearing from my clients is that, you know, hey, I've got a great web designer. I've got a great marketing person. They really can put great brochures together and everything looks jazzy but then I have to basically write all the content myself. I'm an executive in my company. I should be on the road selling, not writing content. And so that's what I'm hearing the feedback from my clients and why they're actually hiring me is, it isn't that they don't have the knowledge to do it. It's that they don't they don't have the time to do it. They think they're gonna get around to it. They always say, yeah, we've got that great project and we really should get a case study together. Six months goes by, well, Maybe the efficiencies on the product that you installed on that project are no longer as efficient as what's out there in the market today, and it becomes old news, right? So I provide a service that allows them to advance their marketing goals very affordably, and, um, and then they can get back to doing the business that they, they expect their salespeople and, and themselves to be doing, which is out there selling and supporting their customers.
1: And what what type, I know we talked a little bit about business type, but if you had to break it down, is the majority of it manufacturers, is it distributors, is it ESCOs, where where does it fall in?
2: Right now, yeah, it's the majority is is manufacturers, right in the tier two space. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, there's a lot of quote unquote manufacturers that are importing product from overseas and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, they might be a a sales team of 10 and there's a president of the company that's also somewhat of a salesperson and they're out there in the field and uh, they just don't have the time or the resources to put, put these things together. And it's, again, a necessary evil. They they have to do that. They want to grow the brand. They want to compete amongst all the other guys in the industry. And in order to do that, you have to look legit. And, and they recognize that. Uh, I do have one distributor that I'm working with as well that they're kind of morphing and evolving into a, a more turnkey. Nailed member, right?
0: Nailed member. member?
2: Yeah, absolutely they are. As a matter okay, of yeah. fact, they're both a Nailed member and a Namco member.
0: Oh, both. Woo, they're cheating. Cheaters. Perfect.
2: Yes, that's right, <laughs> <laughs> which I encourage everyone to do, of course, because yeah. there's there's value to be had by both organizations.
1: Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. And if you were going to put together without giving away your secrets again, but just tips for lighting companies, for marketing, what should they be doing other than hiring you? We know that. But what <laughs> other little things should we all be looking at?
2: Well, you know, certainly spec sheets are costing them money because while they might not be getting the feedback. Their spec sheet on someone's desk is being compared to someone else's spec sheet. And you know, if it's if it's apples to apples, you both got a, you know, a a G Wiz nice high bay, and you both are made in America or assembled in America, what sets it apart is a really poorly written spec sheet, makes it look (laughs) cheap, right? These guys don't know what they're doing versus the guys that have a little bit more of a cleaner straightforward spec sheet that speaks the language of the industry gives the data that's needed in order to make a sound decision when you're comparing product.
0: But the, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I always, uh, when it comes to these spec sheets, the sizzle, the, the, the sauce, whatever you want to call it. I always compare it to wine. And why do I compare lighting to wine? Because most people don't know anything about lighting and most people don't know anything about wine. So, well, they both come in a box, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think Greg is into box wine up there in Minnesota. That's oh, a- yeah. Yeah, he loves that box wine. You should come out with a hot box wine, actually. But, you know, so nobody knows anything about wine and nobody knows anything about lighting. Right? So you say, hey, uh, Jimmy, go buy a bottle of wine. Hey, Jimmy, go buy the lighting. Um, He goes to the, he, he goes to the store and he, he's looking at the shelves. And, but, you know, Italy, you know, whatever. And he's looking around and he sees this nice bottle of wine with a really cool label on it, right? It's got a cool label and it's presented nicely. That matters so much, man. Like most people don't realize that nobody's going to get into your product as much as you think they should get into it. They need to get hit with something in the lighting business. That's the spec sheet, right? So the, which spec sheet are you going to put in front of your customer, right? You know, if you're a distributor, you're going to drop that keystone, nice keystone cut sheet. There it is. No spelling mistakes laid out properly, whatever it is. Right. And, and you know, or, you know, are you going to put this other guy who's calling the tubes milky, you know, um, that's weird, you know? So it's, there's a point of sale where the, at the point of sale, at the at the moment of truth, at the decision point, marketing, perception, feeling, that's so important.
2: Right, it's, it's lending credibility to your brand, right? And if you don't have that, while your product may be just as good as everyone else's, it it has a cheapness about it you know if you if you didn't go that extra step to make sure the spec sheet is written in a way that speaks the language of the industry is in keeping with the framework that we're used to seeing um what else have you skimped on you know well maybe you didn't care about that enough maybe you didn't care about the fact that you know this container quite up to snuff or the screws in your fixture are no longer stainless steel or the gaskets maybe got cheapened out I mean, it speaks a bigger issue uh, for your brand. It really cheapens your brand. And you just, it's vitally important, I can't stress this enough, to keep it in the language of the industry, because that spec sheet gets seen if it's a new construction in front of an engineer and specifier, which will laugh you out of their office. But an agent as well, it's critically important to get an agent's mind share in their agency it may have five salespeople, may have 25 salespeople, and they may have 20 lines to sell or they may have 80 lines to sell but there are commonalities amongst all those manufacturers and i'll tell you if you're having a hard time getting sales from your agents it's probably because there's something that you're doing in your respect sheets that aren't in keeping with the other lines that they're comfortable selling when they, when they walk into a distributor and a distributor says that they, you know, they've got a great high bay project, they need 80 high bays, and you've got five lines on your line card that have high bays, and you give them your options, and one of those options is just represented on a piece of paper with a bunch of verbal vomit that doesn't make any sense, you're out of here. Now, will the manufacturer ever hear that feedback? I don't know. But the agent doesn't take you seriously, pushes the lines that they're comfortable with, that also are a reflection on their agency this is a this is a brand right this is a high quality brand this is a spec sheet that you can trust the data the way it's written and you understand what the product is versus you know just throwing some data on a page and put a picture on it so i think that you know these are some in some cases in a lot of cases the very first introduction to your brand is that spec sheet and it starts at the agency level and it works its way down the chain
0: In my company, I'm the owner, but I'm also the complaint department. I love complaints. Mm. I love a good complaint. Like what went (laughs) wrong? It's an opportunity. Yeah. What went wrong? It gives you the visibility because the person that has the kuleans to call up and bitch, that person is so valuable because for every one of those people that actually calls you up and says listen buddy this sucks you gotta fix this you guys suck your your business is shit really tell me more <laughs> what else don't you like about it? i didn't like this and he, nah, nah, nah. those guys are the best or gals are the best because those right. people for every one of those there's probably a thousand people who don't say anything
2: absolutely right yeah. It's an opportunity to get better.
0: Oh yeah. Sure. I love those people. They always leave happy with me because I, I tell them, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, give me more of that feedback, that love. You, you know, we, I get all manner of criticism and I love it. And a lot of people shut that down. They think it hurts their ego, but that's where the gold is, man. Listen to that. Absolutely. Person who's got the guts to call someone up and say they suck. Those people are so valuable to you. Like the fact every...
2: that they took the time to do so, yeah. You know, speaks to the fact that you were probably almost there as being their choice, and something ticked them off right at the, you know, right at the moment they were going to make their decision on who to go with, and you were right there, but something was just wrong. And the fact that they took time out of their day to let you know, so that you have an opportunity to correct it and get better, you probably are in their business from that point on. Versus, you know, the poor bastard that's sitting there with four spec sheets in a, in a distributor's office and they just laugh at that spec sheet and throw it up in the can. You never hear that feedback and you never have an opportunity to get better. So. Who
0: cares about the jerk, though? He's just giving you the information. Because there's 999 more people that are just never going to call you that that's you've right. already lost.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: You've already lost what them because they're not willing to call you up and s- nobody wants to be Debbie Downer. You know how I know right because I'm always the jerk. I'll tell everybody anything. I'm always gonna tell them exactly what I think. That's why I have a podcast, but the like you know if somebody says, "Hey, what do you think Call again it's like, "Oh, he's such a jerk, but he's right that's what that happens a lot to me so but listen to those people. Because they're telling you what everybody else doesn't want to tell you because they're not disagreeable enough in their personality type. They don't care enough about what
2: you. What a shame. What a shame to lose business over such a simple piece of paper, really. You know, you're not being judged on the flashiness of it. You're being judged on the legitimacy of it, right? And to, to lose a 1,000 people Maybe two thousand, depending upon how long you've had that spec sheet in circulation, is is ludicrous because for under a couple hundred bucks you can have what you need to have to represent your brand and your product legitimately in the field, and to lose business over that is just insane.
0: And what a shame to be so stuck in your ego that you can't listen right. to someone who's complaining and realizing right. that you may have messed up and that you need to fix something, Christina Calloway. Thank you for being yeah. a guest on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Keystone Technologies. Go to K E Y S T O N E T E C H dot com. Greg, Keystone Tech dot com.
1: Great website, great company, great marketing that they offer, as we talk about today in the show. Outdoor fixtures, though, something you don't always think about for Keystone, but they have them now. They have wall packs and they have floodlights coming out with area lights soon pricing is great options are awesome they make them color selectable so you can choose your kelvin temp even get down to 3k if you want to start getting friendly to the skies you can check it out oh
0: come on man you know you know what's interesting about keystone is if you want someone on the leading edge, if you want someone on the bleeding edge, but also delivering that value and backing their warranties and being there for you at the end of the day, you got to go to KeystoneTech dot com, baby. That's KeystoneTech.com. dot com. Longtime members, Greg of the National Association, long time now. Gotta be ten years. They've been in the game in with nailed. So you got to go to KeystoneTech dot com, baby uh greg nailed what do you got to say join
1: got to say it's where it's at man we got to check it out we got a lot of exciting things coming up this year a part of it
0: you know we have we talked about on the show the difference between Namco and nailed and of course they're you know totally not totally different i mean but when you get into lighting totally different you know if you're outside of lighting they kind of look the same but different organizations if you're a distributor and you're not associated with us yet what are you waiting for man Got to get in to get in to get in with us. We talking about this? Is where it all happens, all the education, the the networking, everything. So go to NALD.org, dot Greggy, and hey, Christina Calloway, you're still with us.
2: I am, yes.
0: She made it through to the end. Throw out your website in that for anybody listening that wants to do some good marketing in that.
2: Yeah, sparkmedialtg.com. dot com
0: sparkmedialtg.com baby so there you go hey it was a lot of fun talking to you I'm glad you stuck around at the end to do the ad and the intro and the conclusion with us and I hope to thank you for having me yeah, I hope that we'll meet in person one day me
2: too thanks guys
0: thanks for listening folks okay. all the people out there bye for now it's written on the retro wall there's a sign there for all You are lost, the Lord is there to find you